And we're recording, or at least we thought we were. Welcome to episode eight of the Unpick podcast with me, your host, K, and my co-host, S. We recorded an entire, or close to an entire episode, and realized we'd not pressed the record button. And we started recording again. But now while I was in editing, I realized that a lot of the beginning is missing. So what you'll hear picks up midway discussion. So we pick up mid-conversation we were talking about Line of Duty and what Line of Duty's season finale and ending tells us about society as a well. whole. I hope the audio isn't too terrible and we'll hopefully have everything fixed by next episode. So you even got your BBC license for this? Oh, yes. So I I stopped committing crimes for Line of Duty. So I specifically went out there and got a BBC license. It's £154, if anyone cares to know. And it was disappointing. The show was disappointing. But it's disappointing from a, from a viewer. But actually, when you, like I said, when you take a step back and you look at the methods that's been told, it's a very powerful message. It's a very powerful message about police, about corruption, about evil, about human psychology. I mean, this is a ma- this is a master's thesis, a PhD thesis waiting to be written about the show. Artistically, I didn't enjoy the final episode as much as I have enjoyed other episodes because we've had every episode has been every season finale has been has left us wanting for more. The yeah. I mean, we've had shootouts amazing convoys we've had amazing uh, conversations the tension has been rife we even had the spectacle of someone waking up and finding that they've had their arm amputated i mean the twists and turns and then this episode was a bit i'm not saying it was jurassic park 2 but wait what did jurassic park 2 do to you have you seen jurassic park 2 i love jurassic park do not do not I like all of them. I love a mythical being. I don't know if you know this. I like a mythical creature. I like to see magic. I watched Jurassic World recently. Terrible. No, it's terrible, but there's dinosaurs. <laughs> so, like, what more do you want? No, Jurassic Park the one is one of the best films ever made. Yes, no, it is. Jurassic Park 2, 3, and then World are like, what are you doing? Okay, something controversial. Do you know the film I've enjoyed the most recently? And you're going to be very proud of me for this. Is it a Tyler Perry film? No. Okay. Meg. <laughs> you can't see me right now. My mouth is wide open. It actually hurts. I can't actually get my mouth even wider. Wait, have you if seen I it? I could, I would unhinge my jaw <laughs> like Pennywise. <laughs> have you seen Have you seen the Meg? Yeah. Did you enjoy it? No. Meg was trash. Also, the Chinese propaganda just jumped at you. But it was trash good. No. I also enjoyed Vampires vs. the Bronx. I enjoyed Vampire vs. the Bronx because I'm Bodega Hat, forever and always. So I enjoyed seeing Jesus and Mero in it. The writing was good, but the story was a bit weak. Like, the dialogue was good. But essentially, that was about um, gentrification in the Bronx, right? Yeah, it's basically... Oh, I forget. It's another film. Uh... Uh, Attack the Block. It's basically an American version of Attack the Block, isn't it? I have not watched Attack the Block. There's not Daniel Collier's in Attack the Block. No, it's a 
you racist. It's John Boyega, isn't it? But it's the same person to you, isn't it? All black people look the same to you. Two young kings, two young kings <laughs> from the ends. <laughs> also, congratulations to Daniel Cooley. Not that I know him personally or anything, but it, it I, was good, good for him. I haven't yeah. seen uh, the Black Messiah, but you and I. I have mean, I'm waiting for. I'm waiting for it to come come this side because is it streaming? I don't know. Um, but you and I can claim to have been fans from day one because we've seen Shades and Psycho. Listen, Daniel Kaluuya has been acting. He also he's like thirty something. Like he's not some young boy. Like he's really been doing this. He is so good. So the the finale of Lion of Duty was none of those things. No, it wasn't. It wasn't what I was hoping for. I wanted a shootout because I, I I do like violence. I I don't like necessarily gore, but I enjoy violence, heaps of it. And I wanted a shootout. I wanted. Have you seen the raid? I have seen enough memes to know to piece it together, but I do want to see it. I think I saw bits of it. I've seen the raid maybe six times, and I could watch it a seventh. <laughs> <laughs> No, but we enjoy way too much violence in our TV shows. Like, we will recommend <laughs> movies purely of the fact that someone got killed in a very elegant way. You've seen Sicario, right? Daniel yeah. Kaluuya as well, right? Daniel Kaluuya is in Sicario with Emily Blunt. I love Sicario. But it's Sicario too. But do you remember the scene when they all come out the cars in the, in the traffic? Top 10 tension scenes that are the American border. I could watch that I mean, all that is, day. That is the singular reason to keep having the drugs war. If, if we can just have inspiration for scenes like that, honestly. Lion City finale was none, was none of those things. I left wanting more and I left feeling unfulfilled. But then when I thought about it, I agree with the message, but I still think it could have been delivered better. Okay. And I thought about Hara, Hannah Arendt, philosopher in, um, who was writing about the trial of Adolf Eichmann, who was responsible for the transportation of millions of Jews to concentration camps. And she wrote this kind of seminal piece in 63, a report on the banality of evil. Um, Slightly controversial at the time. It was very controversial. It wasn't slightly, it was very controversial. Because she said he was neither perverted nor sadistic. And even when she wrote about it 10 years later, she said, I was struck by the manifest shallowness in the doer, so this is Eichmann she's talking about, which made it impossible to trace the uncontestable evil of his deeds to any deeper level of roots or motives. The deeds were monstrous, but the doer, at least the very effective one now on trial, was quite ordinary, commonplace, neither demonic nor monstrous. Mm-hmm. And there's another saying, uh, there's another maxim that given explanation of incompetence or evil, go with incompetence. But rather sense that evil, the evil that we see in society today is often a, an accumulation of small acts of smaller sins that sort of accumulate to this kind of greater evil. And I think that's the message of, of the finale. That It is, yeah. It starts by people letting things go, people looking over, overlooking things, people casting a bland eye over small infractions, small crimes here and there. But a society does not become corrupt because of a single person. Nor does it become... Corrupt overnight, and I think that's the yeah. story that's been told. So we see this young kid who is involved in the death of an undercover policeman in, yeah. I think, season four, and then in season six, he's gone to police college. He's now become a police officer, and he's now embedded himself in a team. And yeah. it's likely that he's then going to climb up 
and then become a become DCI or whatever he, the police hierarchy is. And it's about the slow progression, the slow descent to yeah. absolute corruption. It doesn't it doesn't begin like you said, it doesn't begin on Monday and it's done by Monday yeah. the evening. It's a slow descent and, and what he's doing is it's slowly corrupting people because we see this character called Ryan. He then because we see him enforce the corruption. He make, essentially forces this, I don't know if you say forces, but he ensures that Joe, this other, his essentially ranking officer, to follow through with the fact that she's agreed to essentially work for this for these criminals. When I thought about it, I I really thought it was a powerful message that needs to be told because over the last few months we've heard about scandal after scandal. We've heard about PPE contracts. We've heard about we've heard about misbehavior in high public office. We've heard about bullying. We've heard about so many things, and it isn't that there's a single person behind the scenes who's truly evil in that sense. It's that you've got a conglomerate of people who are willing to put the self interests beyond that of the collective good. Well, even when you think about any system, you know when when Adam Smith talks about the invisible hand, it's not a single force it's not a single person it's the accumulation of individual actions that's what a market is right a market is people all acting supposedly rational that leads to this overall effect um it's like tangent but i've always been interested in mass hysteria oh the nelson mandela effect right like how is it that lots of disconnected unrelated people all end up behaving similarly and i think corruption is the same thing it's erosive and erosion and rust doesn't happen overnight. It begins to eat away at the fabric of society. And, and that's what we see in this show. So in that way, I think I think it's a, the perfect message for now because there's a lot about conspiracy theories in the news. There's a lot about mistrust of power and authority. I don't personally subscribe to the idea that Bill Gates or Elon Musk or Mark Zuckerberg are sitting in some darkened room rubbing their hands with glee. Mm-hmm. And setting out to corrupt our democracy or societies in the way that they might have unwittingly have done. I don't subscribe to lizard people, first of all, you know, that's got really anti-Semitic roots. Um, yes. I don't I don't think it's it's lizard people. And I think it's something that we've talked about because for me I don't understand in a way I do, but it's it's interesting to me that people will will sooner resort to flat earth. Vaccines are full of toxins. Vaccines change your DNA. Reptilians went to the moon. Then sooner confront the real reality, yeah. the real corruption, the real scary people in our lives, which is our politicians. Right? Yeah. It's easy to believe that they faked the moon landing versus Reagan orchestrated the drug war and the AIDS epidemic. Yeah, and we have we still see that reverberate very strongly to this day. And there's something it's it's it says some it says something really important about a person who's able to exchange the real reality for a fake when the reality is so far, it's far more compelling to me. Let's say the earth is flat. For all intents and purposes, you're not an astrophysicist. You're, you're not, you don't deal with massive planetary bodies. You don't, it doesn't matter what G is. It doesn't matter that what yeah. the speed of light is because that is not what you do, but it does matter to you who your president is, at least it should yeah. do. It should matter. It should matter who your president is. It should matter who your local councilman man is. But people are so, will sooner subscribe to that because I think there's a sense of, I have the secret knowledge, this esoteric knowledge that only I have. I'm yeah. one of the chosen ones. 
and yeah the, and what this show shows is that actually it's corruption is not interesting it's very banal it's very ordinary it's very pedestrian everyone does it everyone's susceptible to it Be- before you get on your horse and aggrandize and 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 um what's that word that begins with p speaking like a pope not not proselytize not proselytize no not proselytize um pontificate yes <laughs> and before you get on your, pope and before you get on your high horse and pontificate about morality people like you and it's a cautionary tale right it's a cautionary yeah. tale about okay you're not in the police force but tomorrow you're after fudge numbers yeah. except guess what you work in department of transport that your fudging numbers meant that someone lost their home because their home then had to be cleared to build something. Yeah. And if you actually had taken the extra time to check, you just you would have made a massive difference to that person's life. But for you, you get to go home yeah. and rest and sleep and it's fine. And it's something you asked in our earlier recording that well, we'll never know, but about is it that evil people, people who do evil are truly evil or, or yeah. they're just regular regular people and some are truly evil some truly love to lord power over people and enjoy you know doing things that people find unacceptable and some people are just really ordinary and that's the message and the fact that millions of us were disappointed in in and of itself is saying something that we're seeking entertainment i mean there's nothing wrong with seeking entertainment but there is a greater message being told here that corruption is very pedestrian and it's very pervasive and that's life right i really like i know we both like um scooby-doo love scooby-doo the monster is always a, it's always you it's always your neighbor it's always the person who hired you to do the job right the monster was always a human being apart from apart from the classic movie scooby-doo on zombie island one of the best animated films of all time all time 100 fight me Fight me, I watch that like maybe once a year. The other thing that these conspiracy theories do is they actually divert attention from the real culprits. Yes. If you're out there looking for a four-headed monster <laughs> and not your local councillor and not your local MP. They get away with stuff. They get away with it. In our first recording, we talked about the case of Baby P, a horrific, tragic case where a child died through to a mixture of abuse, neglect, um, mismanagement of uh, his case. And it's not as if you look at an individual caseworker, an individual social worker, an individual doctor, nurse, teacher. It's the collective failure of the system. And regardless of laws, every society perseveres through tradition, customs, precedent, things that we collectively take to be true, things that we collectively uphold that are not written in law. For example, take something as simple as money. The value of money, a pound is worth a pound because I accept it as a pound. It's not because the government dictates it's a pound, right? All money is sustained by this kind of collective, Mm. almost, I don't want to use the word delusion, but... I was just thinking about delusions. Right? Yeah. But we all accept that this piece of paper has a value to it. And what happens when, if tomorrow nobody accepted the the value of 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 a pound? But that's the same thing about decency in society. But what you know, when we talk about people talk about pol- political correctness, it's almost the architecture by which we maintain a decent society. I'm not saying don't have racist thoughts. I can't tell you not to have racist thoughts. I can't stop having racist thoughts. I'm saying don't stand on the platform shouting 
<laughs> don't give across, right? Why are you at London Bridge shouting across platforms at somebody else to take off her hijab? <laughs> because our society is worse when people think they can do that. And what I, I people mean, like some Trump... People would, I was just going to say, some people think it is better off that... But often these are people who just just want an excuse to say the thing. And, and, as, and as you were talking about social norms and social mores, that I think over the past few years, that the idea of that this invisible glue that holds us yeah what we found is that it's actually not it's it's not glue it's it's these really weak forces that yeah. actually we, that we do need to embed in law number as number, as step one but also two then have a legal system that can enforce them because we saw with Boris Johnson over here the fact that you know with the scandal with his renovation of 11 Downing Street that he is the final arbiter of whether he broke yeah the ministerial code how does that work how does that make sense that yeah. someone determines that they whether they have or have not broken guidelines same thing with trump it was it was perceived i remember right from the beginning that it was just accepted that the incoming president wouldn't engage could quietly engage with international leaders but not publicly engage because for all intents and purposes they were not the current president and what you found was before Obama had even left, before Trump had even come in, he was already making statements about international policies. He was already doing things that were, seem as, were seemingly uncouth and, and just off-putting. But that train just never stopped and he kept doing things even when he got into power. And suddenly mm. we all were like, wait, this usually didn't happen. Oh, right, that's, that's right, there is no, it's not been codified in actual law that the president can and can't do this. It's not codified that the prime minister can and can't do this. It's not that we're arguing that you need to have these in, written down, and maybe you need to have them written down, but you'll never be able to write down everything. The point is that it's, it's what's between the keys that's important. It's what's between the lines that's important. It's the spaces between the notes that make a song. It's right? the spirit of the law in addition right? to the letter of the law. Because right. the, like you said, the letter of the law, can, we can, we, it, it can never be truly exhaustive. And it's about people seeking to, in the spirit of the law, truly engage with, what the, the law is all about. And when people rail against political correctness, this is actually my real worry about, about this. So you could say we need to have a more honest society where people say what they, what they, what they think because we, have, we live in a fake society where people just hide what they say and that's bad, okay. And that's the argument by your Lawrence Foxes and your kind of people who just want to be out there spewing racist. Because the fact that Lawrence isn't here tweeting racist stuff doesn't convince anybody's not a racist. So you might say, why, why? He might as well just say what he thinks. But going back to mass hysteria, people get caught up in things. Whenever you look at, say, violence by a group of people, no one set out that evening to commit that act of violence. You get caught up in the, you get caught up in the hype. In the emotion, in the, you get caught up in the hype. Absolutely. Yeah. Imagine a scenario where, and I might need to Google this, but I can't remember her name, Ruby the young black girl who was the first to go to that desegregated, desegregated yes. school. Right? She's the, you know she's alive. Yeah, and she's written a book and uh, there's an article about her in The Guardian today. What you see in Ruby these Ruby moments... Ruby Bridges. And we see this all the time. So for context, for those who don't know, so she was, she was really young, maybe five or six, when she became the first black girl to go to this white school and federal police officers had to escort her every day because for a year... It's a classic. It's a classic picture. I'm sure everyone has seen that. For a year, so basically, parents, white parents, took the children away from the school, 
the principal of the school kept her away from all the other kids who hadn't left. For a year, every single day, people met outside her school to swear at her, to insult her. There was one woman who famously brought a wooden coffin with a doll in it. You know, but the thing is, and people say this all the time, when you meet these people one-to-one, they don't have that same type of energy. Mm-hmm. And that's the problem when decorum and like rural society cease to exist, is that there's, these people are too brave in crowds, not by themselves. And what, so quote-unquote, political correctness does, it checks this almost animus. This, it, it checks this, this, this kind of like crowd hype that gets people going further than they actually would. I've met people who you're like, yeah, you're not going to say anything to my face. But I know that if there were 10 people behind you, your chest is like four inches taller. <laughs> and I think that's, a, that's, even, that's that what you've just said leads into a bigger conversation about social media. So this week, Facebook upheld Trump's ban on Facebook. I know Twitter has said, you know, for all intents and purposes, I don't think Trump is ever going to return. And what Facebook said was that essentially they still fear that he could then incite further violence. And this is not a trivial matter. Yeah. Because these social media platforms are platforms, but on an internet, it's a massive soapbox, except this time it's not on Speaker's Corner. It's on every international platform. Like it's every single person. I mean, how many billion accounts does Facebook have and Twitter have, right? And what social decorum does it checks that, like you were saying. So before you tweet, you think about the impact of that. And if and the, the and the impact can be on your job, can be a selfish or something on your on you, right? My, can I keep my job? Will my neighbors look at me funny? What will happen to my children? Not even or what, what will the recipient of this tweet even feel and think? Yeah. And that also leads to cancel culture and whether it exists and whether it's correct and and blah blah blah. And we can talk about that for hours. But there is something to be said about social stigma, for good or yeah. for bad, checking some of the more extreme actions before they become actions. The same people who talk about cancel culture. So first of all, Trump, for example, would not abide any opposing views. These are not people who care about free speech and care about diversity and plurality of views. Remember that Boris Johnson kicked out 26 of his own MPs for having a different point of view. But yet people talk about muzzling and people being shut down. Mm-hmm. These people don't care about plurality of views. It's They simply want the right to live a consequence-free life. Yeah, I it's, don't not think cons- market, it's, it's not a marketplace of ideas. It's, it's a monopoly of, this, of said market. They want to be able to say these things and have no, zero, however mild the check is, however mild the response is, they want absolutely, and they talk about cancel culture from the lo- largest of all soapboxes. These are people writing the New York Times. These are people writing in the Guardian. These are people who have Twitter accounts with thousands, often millions of followers. Yeah. But they, there's a sense of somehow they still feel muzzled to say what it is that they want to say. And, and I found that very surprising. We're not saying that we need to return to a world of kind of stiff, stuffy decorum, right? Like mm-hmm. Victorian sensibilities where you have to be careful about every single word. And I think, look, we on this podcast need to feel as free as we want to be to say whatever we want. But it's not the free market of ideas that people so often talk about. 
yeah, that your ideas can be rejected and can be roundly rejected and and quite the same way you speak about your views, someone can speak back at you and that is the price you pay to have a platform. And also you're not owed a platform. If we say something crazy here, someone reports it, Spotify and whoever says, actually, no, we don't want you. That is the consequence of, of saying, your th- you know, speaking your darkest, deepest thought. Do you remember the case, and there have been multiple cases, where bakers have refused to serve a gay couple? Mm-hmm. And essentially the argument is, we're a business, we've got a set of values, we've got a set of terms and conditions, and our terms and conditions don't allow, don't allow us to bake a cake for two men. The people who defend these people are the same people who, are, who don't defend the right of Twitter to say, to say the same thing. We have a set of values. Our values don't allow you to incite violence. You cannot make it make sense. No, you can if you change, if you move the goalposts and say that right. Twitter is now, it's different to a cake. It's almost an essential service because it's a communication, it's a communication platform that reaches literally billions of people. And that's how, that's how I've seen people spin that and say, actually, it's almost like a utility at this point, oh, which I yeah. don't think makes sense to me because platforms have terms, of, terms and conditions and terms of service and you have to follow them. First of all, cake is an essential service. 100%. That's one of the food groups. <laughs> I love cake. Oh my gosh. It's a, it's a clever argument that Twitter is now becoming an essential service. And I'm, I'm open to that argument. But then they talk about everything. Talk about student societies. They talk about conversation. Like it doesn't apply just to Twitter. But also every if, single thing. True, and I agree. And but also, if Twitter is a utility and like Wi-Fi and social media communications and that sort of thing, then where were you when Jeremy Corbyn wanted to give every single person Wi-Fi, free Wi-Fi, nationalized Wi-Fi? You have, there has to be that where you where, where your viewpoint then comes full circle. Yeah. Right, because I'm I'm fine with okay, Twitter is this wild west where people can say what they want, but the corollary to that is so many other things that you disagree with, so you then have to give up the first point. But just to wrap up, line of duty, bad drama, good um, good moral. Okay, yeah, <laughs> bad drama, good moral. Um, I hope it comes back. I'm still going to watch begrudgingly. When I took stock of everything, um, yeah, okay. Okay, Jed, Mercurio, I shall be back. It's been a bit of a, of a, of a strange episode because we've recorded, we already recorded a full, almost a full episode and we had to record again. Before, before, we, before we close the salon, I think it's time to get a couple of things off our chest. If there's anything on your spirit, now is the time to bring it to the, front of the altar and testify see that's positive what i want to talk about is not it's just, it's not it's not a rant per se it's just it was just a mild annoyance so i tried to make a payment on my credit card thank you natwest with the kung fu moves they blocked it it was cool it was me it was me it was it was it was coming from the house all along yeah exactly it was me so i get text message being like blah 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 and then I get a robocall and I fix it right so I fixed it my yeah. card is unlocked okay. I go out I use the card fine and then I'm wondering wait but that payment that I made that triggered the whole blocking thing is it still gonna is it gonna be reactivated is it gonna fall okay through? yeah sensible question so I called NatWest and yeah. 
I got through to the rudest person ever. Madam, I am so sorry I caught you in the middle of your life, but you're on the job. I am so sorry. I couldn't believe she did this to me. She was so rude. It was, when she picked up the phone, it was like I had interrupted her, but I've been on the phone for like 20 minutes. Why are you pissed? I should be pissed. Anyway, we get through it. And I say to her, she's like, do you know your card is blocked? And I said, yes, it's all, all cool. That was me. I sorted it out with the, you know, I sorted it all out. My question is about the payment. She's, she's in like, but your card had, was blocked. And I said, I understand my card was blocked. But once yeah. again, that's sorted. Forget the blocking. Yeah. Put your blinders up. Forget the blocking. I just want to know about this payment. And she's like, but your card was blocked. Okay. And but this whole time her tone is crazy because I was raised by good Christian people. I did not want to cuss her out. <laughs> My mother would be disappointed, but I wanted to cuss her out. But I said, no, I said, okay, thank you. The card situation has been resolved. Just back to that payment. Just focus yeah. on the payment. Like, you know, a cat with a laser, focus <laughs> on the laser, the payment. Is it going to go through? She's like, no, it's not going to go through. I'm like, do I have to do it again? It's just to confirm. Fine. Okay, she said no. You have to do it again. I said okay, fine. So then later that day, I'm like, oh, let me let me buy some tea. I'm trying to make my tea purchase with my discount code that is fast disappearing. My card is blocked again. I said, and I had checked my phone app. My credit card gone. Like I didn't even have a credit card. Check online banking. My account gone. I thought okay. Nah. <laughs> already I was fuming. I yeah. was already fuming about that rude call. Maybe this is anyway. I don't know if this biases it, but I think she was one of us. And I said, my sister, please, black people, let's not do this to each other. No, no. Let's not do it to each other, you know? Because I was really, when I had an accident, I was like, oh, okay, sister. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Lord, wish. My God. Um, Anyway, so I was like, okay. So I called NatWest. I get this lovely woman. She, she's treating me like, she's amazing, amazing service. And I said to her, so what's happened with the card? She's like, oh, so I see on this call that you had asked for it to be blocked. No, no, no. I said, in my head, I was like, why would I want my own card to be blocked? What does that mean? Oh, yeah, it says in the notes that, you know, you were told the card was going to be blocked because that's what you'd asked for. No, auntie had it for you, had it in it for you. But I was po- I'm was, i always polite to customer service people because I once worked a public-facing job and I hate the public. <laughs> but I, but I, I, you know, I always remembered, you know, respect, you know, all of that. I said, you know what, lady, I, you know, I said, listen, I don't want to complain. I just want to get on my day. And she was like, no worries. I'll unblock it. She unblocked it. And then I don't know what happened. My address was wrong. So we fixed that. It was a lovely call. And to, and on all, all my negative energy, all my heat, like I was heated about it, but all my energy just left because this lady was absolutely lovely. She was really nice. Yeah. It, that lady saved her because I was, a, if that, if that lady was even a tad less nicer, I would have been like, can I lodge a complaint? Because I did not ask my card to be blocked. I could have been in an emergency situation because that's my credit card that's linked to everything. Uber, it's linked to everything. I could be in a, in a ditch somewhere dying yeah. and, and the policeman comes and says, I'll save you, but can you tap your card? Now I can't tap my card. Now I'm dead in a ditch. You see how this all works? It all connects. I was, I was encouraged to lodge a complaint, but you know, um, I listened to my better angels and I said, no, she was having an off day. But um, There's some good karma coming your way. But my sister, wherever you are, please, if you don't like the job, just go. Just go find something better. You hate the public. I get it. Just find a different job because this is not for you. She was so rude. You know, 
you feel like you I'd like I'd called her house phone. It's just you know what I mean? Like you like I'd called her house like, phone. Not just a house phone, you'd call like her intercom downstairs. Yeah. To ask her about a bank account. Okay, so you know when you read books and people describe like a flash, an image that's encapsulated in like a second. Okay. Mine's just like it was like a 10 second thing that left such a strong impression on me. I wasn't even fuming for me. I was fuming for them. So okay. local Sainsbury's has, has an entrance and an exit that's different. Okay. They're opposite to each other. Okay. So they're kind of back to back. So done my shop. I'm coming out. There's a guy, tall guy in a, in a tracksuit and a hood. He's trying to enter through the exit. First of all, that was your first mistake. That's waste, <laughs> that's waste man behavior because the entrance is just it's just five meters away. Why why are you trying to go through the exit? Cool. Okay. But fair point. You know what? You made a decision. You stuck to it. I res- I can respect that. I respect the energy. The follow through. The thing about the exit is that the the sensor is on one side. So yeah. when you start approaching the exit, it's not going to open for you. No. So what he starts approaching doing? the exit and it's closing. So he like sprints to slide through it. I'm Did like, he hit it? He slid through it. So first of all, okay. you're running for the exit <laughs> <laughs> to enter the supermarket. And when you get in, there's no easy way to get back to like the aisles because it's all the checkup. But never mind. It's not my business. This is so five seconds. I've seen him coming. Four or five seconds. I've seen him running and sliding through to get in. <laughs> Weren't you spotted by a security guard? Of course. The hench, the hench security guard was waiting for you. You literally, <laughs> he literally, because he was running, his momentum literally took him to the arms of the security guard. <laughs> so. It's a modern day romance. You're a grown man arguing the security guard. Well, he was a grown man, not even like a teenager or something. No, 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 a grown man. Like paying your taxes and everything. I don't know why this stuck in my spirit the whole week. <laughs> Wait, You're this right? is what you text me about? Yes. I was like, what happened? Did, did You're a something... grown, grown man arguing with a security guard about entering Sainsbury's to the exit. Okay, I have a question. How far is... It's not do you have to far. Go around, do you have to go around the block to get to the... No, 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 no. They're literally... So imagine a rectangle. Oh, okay. So, okay, okay. On different sides of the rectangle. But oh, it's like what? max 10 meters, the rectangle. So you just have to do like 30 seconds and you're in there. My guy. It's too much. And then you're arguing with the security guard. What's the argument about? So by this time I've left, I'm just looking for the glass. So this, the entrance is all glass. Security guard moved you out. Now, just, you have to do your own walk of shame and walk around. <laughs> I was like, this is your waste, man. But this is why we have the pandemic. You realize that, right? You realize people like this is why the, the human race will die out when the next pandemic happens. I'm telling you, this stuck in my spirit like feathers on tar. <laughs> I'm like, but no, but this is the this is why we're going to die out in like ten years. You made the decision to use the end the exit. Then the sensor is closing. You made the decision to run for it. Then you've run into the armed security guard, <laughs> and now you're trying to convince him to let you through. It was a brave choice. Listen, he made a brave decision, and he followed. And then through. obviously he had to turn. He had to turn around with his head down, and then he walked away. So he didn't even go back in. He didn't even go back in. Oh, the commitment level was so low. You should have followed through. What are you going to eat tonight? You have to go to corner shop. And you know the prices are a bit, you know, they're a bit bumped up. Oh, it was an ill thought, ill thought out plan, badly <laughs> executed. I, what What I want to know is why did this 
stick out to you? I just saw the futility of this. <laughs> the futility like, of man. My guy walked, my guy approached it with attitude, pizzazz, energy, commitment <laughs> for the first few seconds. And then all of that collapsed. Oh, I wonder where he is now. <laughs> where are they? We need to do it. Where are they now? Probably trying again. <laughs> no, I hope not. Bless him. He doesn't need to do all of that. I, I don't know why this talked with me, but it just struck me that... So, so I don't know if you've talked about it in the podcast before, or I've just said it to you. I remember I was going to the station and the barriers were open. Mm-hmm. And by the barriers is that little glass hut for the mm-hmm. workers where it's got the, the heating and all that kind of stuff. They're kind of little space mm-hmm. where they sit in. But the barriers were open. I was just about to, to tap in, so maybe a couple of meters away from the barrier. This guy kind of runs in front... Not, not runs, but like he was walking really quickly. And he just goes for the barrier without tapping in. Mm-hmm. The TFL worker wasn't even, didn't even look up. But the guy who'd just gone through without tapping in makes a point to stop, turn to the TFL worker and go, and what? And walked away. <laughs> oh my. <laughs> and he, it's like, you know, it doesn't come off his own salary. He still gets paid flat rate. <laughs> Like it's not commission. <laughs> yeah, he signed exactly. He signed a contract. He's fine. <sighs> the thing is, the security guard didn't look up, didn't even notice this because the barriers were open. You know, sometimes of the day the barriers might be just. Mm-hmm. And so I'm still behind this guy. We walk up the stairs. He's still he's still like kind of mouthing mouthing off to the guy downstairs, acting real hard. <laughs> and and this is one of the things that kind of stuck in my spirit for the rest of that day. And I was thinking about it on the first level. I kind of thought about the same way I thought when I saw this guy at Sainsbury's. If you're going to be a rebel, could you do it better? Can you do it where it counts as well? But then I kind of had a more insightful, compassionate thought. I, I kind of almost went into like maximum empathy at that moment. And I felt... I think I, think I know where you're going with this. Oh gosh, go on. If you can afford... Because this was... If you can't afford the three to two pound fifty, the two pound to travel from two stops... That's going to make you angry and you're going to have to couch your action in the cloak of rebellion. And that's why even though no one challenged him, he had to make something of it and turn to the guy and go, and what? And the bemused TFL worker looked up. I don't even think he noticed the guy had not tapped in. So he's just like, there's a customer going, and what? And then running up the stairs. <laughs> do, do you see what I mean? That Yeah. Um, you know, d- did I... Was it in the podcast I talked about the, the donut shop and the guy barging? Or was it, did I just tell you? I think you, you just told me. Okay, so there's a nearby donut shop and this was not during lockdown. So they were only serving through the door. So you actually couldn't go, get into the shop. And next to it, there was like the entrance to this apart, these apartments. And so I was standing in front of the entrance, but enough space for you to kind of walk around me and get into if you wanted to go. And so I had, I had my backpack on. And this guy, and he'd barged, he, I'd seen him before and he'd barged someone else before and was very aggressive, was so needless. And then he did it to me, but because my back was heavy, he almost like literally spun me around. Yeah. Not 180, have respect for me, but it was like maybe 30 angles, 30 degrees, 30 angles. But and I was, I was heated. I was so mad. I was like, how dare he? And as he opened the door and I saw him, I was like, oh, it's this guy. And I, and I even said to him, like, and what happened to like, excuse me, or what happened to manners? And I was really mad. But then when I, when I then calmed down, I thought, this guy, and, I, and the thing is, I saw him around one time and I thought, if I was 
once again, if, if I wasn't a child, would I would have called your friends and banged you. But I'm not going to do that. Because, <laughs> but then the, the, the thing is. Chat shit, get banged. Listen, bring the energy, right? But these pe- people who do these things, right? Who seemingly have no manners, have no social graces. What, what do their lives look like? Yeah. From, from birth till now. Because people who have things to live for, people who have things they want to achieve, the thing, the thing that stopped me from even, you know, really going into, going into the building and really calling him out and stuff was, one, I don't have time. I'm here to get a donut. I'm here to move. Like, I'm here to have a good time. Yeah. I'm here for a good time and a long time. <laughs> yeah. I have a friend who yeah. says he's not here for a good time. He's, he's not, I have a friend who says he's here for a good time, not a long time. Um, is that a Drake line? It sounds like a Drake line, doesn't it? But I, is it? Yeah, I'm here for a good time, not a long time. You know, I... Oh, God. Oh, it's like, I feel blessed. Something, 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 I feel blessed. I don't um, know. But when you talked about that, these people... Yeah. What, like you said, when you, when you engage maximum empathy mode, what do these people... What does the rest of the day look like? Yeah. What do they, how do the day start? What are they like? What are their hopes and dreams? Like, who are these people? And why do they lack manners essentially in these really small instances? And maybe that's yeah. our way of kind of letting our anger go, but it does allow me to not get as mad as before yeah. because I think, you know what? So you have to be something must be really going on in your life for you to, to feel like that action was appropriate. It's true. hundred percent everything you said, because I, because I really reflected on that moment when this guy who wanted to portray himself as, and again, this is me just reading. There might be some inaccuracies, but because, you know, he was dressed like all designer, but like ostentatious designer. He wanted to project something of of wealth, of prosperity, of power, of something. Yet here you are mm-hmm. just jumping the barriers, not even jumping the barriers. I think the fact that he didn't have to jump the barriers didn't even afford him the kind of visual element of rebellion. You just had to walk through it. So he had to do something to, to, I was the only audience there. I don't want to say I felt sorry for him, but I think I tried to understand it a bit better. And that made me less angry. I mean, at the same station, maybe a couple of days later, I was, the barriers were closed and I was coming out and someone kind of followed me behind that day or whatever. I was not in a rush. I was just chilling through the, I was sauntering through it. So it wasn't a case of I tapped in, dashed out and then there was space. So he basically collided into me. And I could feel that kind of like anger rising in, in me. And I was like, you know, I just a bit of hikmah, a bit of wisdom, you know, a bit of understanding. And I was like, it's cool. You know what? It's cool. Um, it's all right. You 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 just that's have between a good you day. and that's between you and your TFL conductor. Yeah, that that's between you and your God. And TFL. That's a three-way relationship no man should get in the way of. <laughs> and maybe that's in some ways our perspective on this podcast that yes maybe that's a way we try to it made me feel better to have that understanding and maybe that's just me kind of but I think there's a more empathetic approach to understanding the world that people are driven by forces outside themselves and there's a set of experiences that have led this person to be in that particular moment doing what they're doing now don't get it twisted some of you out here are just (laughs) (laughs) oh you son of a Like we can't help that. Some of you are lining up for clapbacks. <laughs> no, but there are moments where you get those insights, right? Mm-hmm. When your third eye open, when, when, when you're trying to be sensitive to the things around you, there are those moments where you have, like if you're on the train shouting EDL this, EDL that, 
Don't make eye contact with me. Don't do that. It's very clear. So thank you for joining us on the Unpick podcast. My name is Kay and I was joined as always by my co-host S. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the Unpick underscore podcast. And we will join you again in a couple of weeks time. Yes, and just before we leave, don't, I just want to let everyone know that the only thing I care about is Ben Crawford. <laughs>